The story of today is probably not new to you. It's a story that you have probably heard at least a time or two. And it is one of the greatest, if not the greatest stories of all time. The story begins with a crucified savior that Jesus put on flesh and made his dwelling among us. He was not a God who was far from us. He was not a God who was against us, but that he was a God who was with us. That he came to be with us, lead this perfect and sinless life. And yet in the midst of that, he was led to a cross for the sins of the world like a lamb being led to its slaughter, despised, rejected, alone hanging there on the cross, saying things like, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. And ultimately crying out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? It is finished. And as he breathed his last The sins of the world were upon his shoulders and in his death, he became the atoning sacrifice, the sacrifice once and for all for the sins of the world that those who would put their belief in that would be saved from their sin. He hung there lifeless for your sins and for mine. It's your sins and my sins that put Jesus on that cross. And as they carried his body to the grave, the sense of hopelessness must have bubbled up in his followers and his disciples as they placed his dead body in that grave, as they they rolled the stone in front, as they sealed that tomb. Hopelessness must have crept into their story. Where was God in this moment? And there was a moment of silence, a moment of questioning, a moment of wonder, a moment of doubt, until the very first day of the week when some of those followers came back to the tomb to find that the stone had been rolled away and to hear the message, he is not here, he has risen just like he said he would. He walked out of that grave and into glory. And on the cross, he redeemed us from our sin. And walking out of the grave, he redeemed us from death itself. That if we put our trust and our faith and our hope in Jesus Christ, we have nothing to fear. No sin is too great for us and death has no sting. That is the story that we celebrate this this morning the story of resurrection, of a resurrected Savior, Jesus Christ. But I want to tell you a second story because we've been talking in the last couple weeks about Jesus being something, about him being enough. We've been saying Jesus is enough. Jesus is enough in the midst of your circumstances. Jesus is enough in the midst of your situation. Jesus is enough in the midst of your broken relationships, your broken finances. Jesus is enough. Even if you don't believe that Jesus needs to be enough, he's still enough for you. 
And we've been exploring this in different ways and asking this question, is Jesus really enough? And I want to tell a second story, a second story of resurrection that would inform maybe your story. It's found in John chapter 11, and it's the story of Jesus and one of his best friends, a story that we actually just sang about in the second verse of that last song that you just saw saw those beautiful sketches of. The story of the death of Lazarus and his sisters, Mary and Martha. Now, if you've been around church at all, maybe you've heard about Mary and Martha. And if you haven't, let me just tell you about them. They were great friends of Jesus. There are are multiple accounts of Jesus hanging out with Mary and Martha and their brother, Lazarus. And it was a place that he found to be a home of sorts for him. We know stories about Mary sitting at his feet and listening to his teachings. We know stories about Martha hurriedly trying to prepare the Easter brunch, even though it didn't call Easter back then, right? Just like some of you are like, got to get out of here. Ham's cooking. Okay. Jesus didn't get ham, by the way. So, hey, good for you. All right. (laughs) So his great friends, Mary and Martha and Lazarus, and Jesus in the midst of his full schedule, in the midst of healings and teachings and feeding people with a little boy's lunch. In the midst of all that, he gets news from Mary and Martha. Come quickly, they say. Lazarus, your great friend, one of your best friends, he's, he's sick, maybe even sick unto death. And, and as Jesus receives the news, he, he's not able to make it there before the death of Lazarus. So there's this moment where, where Mary and Martha must have been wondering, why didn't, why didn't God show up? In the same way that the disciples must have been wondering between the cross and the first day of the week, where is God in the midst of this? Sometimes it feels like God hasn't shown up, like God may never show up, and yet he still has a plan. You see, Jesus shows up to Mary and Martha and in this beautifully tender moment, he enters into grief with them. He weeps with them. And you can almost imagine the picture of Jesus looking them in the eye and having this conversation and maybe even them saying, Jesus, why didn't you get here earlier so you could have saved our brother? And then Jesus responds by saying this. Jesus said to Martha, your brother will rise again. And Martha answered, I know he will rise again in the resurrection of the last day. And Jesus says to her, no, no, listen, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will die, will live even though they die. Let me say that again. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live, even though they die. See, Jesus is making an incredible claim. He's foreshadowing what he knows is going to happen in his own life. That resurrection is what he has to offer. That life beyond this life, a life of glory, is in store for those who put their hope and their trust in him. And he knows what's coming. He knows that in him is found resurrection. In him is found life. And ultimately, that's what led to the cross. 
Because he claimed that he was the resurrection. He claimed that he was the life. He claimed that he was the one who could forgive sins and ultimately led him to the cross because they kept saying, well, who can do that except for God? And I think Jesus in the back of his head thought, that's exactly my point. He said, I am the resurrection and the life. What would you have thought in that moment? He's kind of alluding to the fact that Lazarus might live again. Would you have had some questions? I mean, I know I would have. I, I, I've, been to, I've been to quite a few funerals in my day. And guess what I never expect? The guy who's dead to come do his own eulogy. I just don't expect it. Like it just, it's never happened, guys, okay? Like that's just how the funeral works. Dead people are really good at what? Being dead. That's what they're good at. Like that's the thing they're good at, all right? So, so in that moment... Martha and Mary must have been wondering the same questions you and I would have been wondering. Like, what does he mean by this? What could he possibly mean that I'm the resurrection and the life, and even though you die, you, you will live? What does that even, what does that mean, Jesus? And so you continue this picture as you see Jesus look in their eyes and just say, take me, take me over to the place where he's buried. Take me to his grave. And so they walk him over to the grave and, and he tells them, move away the stone. And I love this part, details, right? Details that I wouldn't have put in the Bible if I had written the Bible, right? But this detail, we don't wanna move the stone away. It's gonna smell really bad. It's in there, okay? And you're like, yeah, that's what happens when a body is decaying in a cave for multiple days. But Jesus says, no, 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 move the stone away. And then, and then this. When he had said this, Jesus called out in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The dead man came out, his hands and feet wrapped with strips of linen and a cloth around his face. And Jesus said to them, take off the grave clothes and let him go. I'm struck by this moment. I mean, I'm struck by the moment of the dead man walking out of the tomb. It's like a scene out of Walking Dead. Okay, some of you are with me on this. Like this crazy scene where Lazarus is walking out of the cave and everybody's mouth is like this, right? Everybody's just staring in disbelief as something happens that has never happened before and Lazarus comes stumbling out of the cave. I mean, that's enough. I could preach about that for another 20 minutes. But here's what I'm really struck with. Jesus' last line. See, Jesus is the king of last lines. And his last line is this. Take off the grave clothes and let him go. And this is where this enters into our story. See, what clothes do we wear? What, what clothing we wear identifies us. If, if you're wearing military clothes or, or police uniform or you're part of the fire department and you have a fire uniform, you're identifying yourself as someone who protects and serves and puts your life on the line for others. Right? If, you're, if you're wearing a, a beautiful white dress and you're walking down an aisle and everybody's paying attention to you and not the groom, you're the bride, right? You're the bride at the wedding. E even, even if you're walking the red carpet, right? 
and you're about to go slap some, I don't have time for that. I don't have time for that joke. Sorry, sorry. Okay, forgive me, Lord. Okay, stay with me. You're walking the red carpet. They're, they're asking you, who are you wearing? Because they want to know, who's the designer that designed that beautiful outfit that you're wearing? If you're wearing a jersey and you're on a basketball court or a football field, you're part of that team. You're, you're part of being an athlete on that field. See, see what we wear, what we put on, it, it talks about who we are. So I would ask you this. What kind of clothing have you put on? Maybe, maybe beyond your Easter best this morning. Are you wearing glory clothes or grave clothes? See, Jesus says, take the grave clothes off of him and let him go. And, and here's what I see. I see those of us walking around still in our grave clothes when there are glory clothes offered by Jesus. That Jesus, when he walks out of his grave, he invites us then to walk out of our grave as well, to take off of our grave clothes and to put on glory clothes with him forever. This, this is the offer of Jesus from glory to glory, from a grave to glorification. That is the invitation of Jesus. And as I look around, I say, are we still living in grave clothes? Men, are we still living in grave clothes? We just wander around, we do our job every day. We come home, we drink beer so that we can numb out to the world. We're looking forward to hunting season because we can escape from reality at that point. And, and the reality is we're just walking dead. We're dead. We're, we're still wearing grave clothes. Like none of those things, like inherently evil, but I'm saying, like, are you wearing grave clothes, men? Or are your wives like praying that you would wake up one of these days and be the husband she needs you to be? the father that your kids need you to be. Are you standing in grave clothes? Or are you standing in glory clothes? Are you standing in grave clothes in your marriage? You don't even say I love you anymore. Like you're, just, you're just like partnered up doing, doing life. That's it. You don't ever take time to turn and look at each other anymore. It's grave clothes. Are you a, a teenager who's wondering, like, does anybody notice me? Maybe I, maybe, maybe I don't want anybody to notice me. And you, you scroll in social media and thinking, man, my life is just, it's just not that good. Nobody, nobody notices me. and It's not as good as that person's life. So grave clothes. What are the grave clothes that you need to trade in for glory clothes? That is the offer from Jesus. From a grave into glory. With the rest of our time together, we're going to hear some more stories. We're going to hear some testimonies just in a moment of people who have traded in their grave clothes for, for glory clothes because they have recognized that Jesus is who he says he was. Jesus is enough. And the invitation is for you as well. We, we, we don't have uh, glory clothes. We have t-shirts and shorts. Okay, that's what we got. All right. Um, but here is what Bob alluded to. We have a team right over here, baptism team. 
and they have everything other than excuses for you over there, okay? Um, and they're waiting for you. And during this testimony time and during some of the songs, uh, if God is stirring in your heart, this could be your moment, I would say, do not wait. Do not wait. Step out of that grave and into glory. Get over there with them. They'll get you all ready. We've got all the details taken care of. Uh, we, we want this to be a moment that can um, bring new life within you. Um, let me give uh, one more detail. So kiddos, if you're like leaning over like, mom and dad, I want to get baptized today, but you haven't had that conversation yet. Parents, I want you to lead in that way. Like kids, I'm your pastor, but so are your parents, okay? So I want you to have a really good conversation with them. We've got really cool baptism uh, this summer in the, in the uh, summer in the river as well. And so maybe you wait until then if you haven't had that conversation just yet. But I don't want you to miss out on this moment, church. If God is calling you during this next video, during these songs, come over here, visit our baptism team, get ready, and let's, let's see some people turn from graves into glory because Jesus is enough. Let's continue to worship. Thanks for engaging with this content. If it was encouraging to you, we'd love for you to leave a review. Hit that subscribe button and share this content with others. We'd also love to connect with you. The best place to do that is journeyweb.net. Don't forget to follow us on YouTube, Facebook, and Instagram. Just search Journey Church Bozeman and you'll find us there. If you'd like to give to our ministry, you can do that now at journeyweb.net slash give. Once again, thanks for engaging with Journey Church.